Welcome to the One Degree Shift Podcast, where we learn the little changes that future-proof some of our favorite companies and teams. Here's your host, Eric Termundi. Craig Foreman, thank you so much for joining the One Degree Shift Podcast. How are you today? I'm good, Eric. How are you doing? You know what? I've been loving the, the conversation that we've had. Uh, I've been loving following the work that you've been doing for, for years now. I know your friend of, of my co-founder, Rocky's as well. But instead of hearing it from me, I'd, I'd love to hear from you a little bit more about who you are and what you're up to and ultimately what's exciting you most right now. Yeah, uh, my name is Craig Foreman. I am, my title is Lead People Scientist uh, at CultureAmp, or I I've lead, I'm not the lead, but I'm lead, a lead people scientist at CultureAmp uh, with slash a community engagement right now because a lot of my work has drifted towards the work of um, building community. Um, but I did spend most of my time at CultureAmp working with our clients, thinking about uh, survey design, strategy, you know, how to understand results, take action, build strong cultures. My background is in organizational psychology. So yes, what I'm passionate about, I guess what the easiest way to summarize that is that I got clear about six or seven years ago on my purpose. Uh, I think a lot of my, what I wanted to do came into light and that was to help the world work better by improving the places we work. And I got clear on that really was not that deep in this space. So I think it's important to say that I got clear on that. And then Mm. a lot of my work has shifted to get me to where I am today. My passion lies really human, human potential, um, particularly as it meets the workplace when we come together to, to create. Uh, our workplaces and build stuff in the world. And I'd also say my passion has also become about uh, right now really about creating a movement of people that want to help the world work better and want to do something about it, take action. So creating, I've been working with CultureAmp to build our uh, community. We're in process of building the world's largest community of people who want to you know, who believe a better world of work is possible and are willing to take action to do something about it. So that's been my biggest day to day. Aside from that, it's just this work. It's these people, it's, it's amplifying voices and learning and growing. Well, let's add a plus one to the community right now uh, as, as a fan and now a, a new member as well. I lo- love the work that, you, that you're doing, always have, and excited to talk about this idea of community a little further. further. Now, You've, you've seen it. A lot of us have seen it before. Um, companies are now saying that our offices are essentially not closed, but we're encouraging remote work or work from home uh, for the remainder of the year. That might extend to be relatively permanent. The office is going to change. People are now decentralized. Uh, and community uh, is taking shape in a new way. Uh, one of the things that sort of came to mind for me, though, is that culture as we knew it uh, isn't going to be culture as we will learn to know it, as far as I understand. The way that I see it, and I want uh, the conversation I want to have today is around what I would consider it happening right now to be a decentralization of culture. I mean, many of mm-hmm. us haven't been in the office for uh, weeks, a couple of months, maybe won't be there for a couple of months. We don't get to see the company colors. We don't get to see the vision statement on the boardroom. Uh, we don't get our little desk that we had before. We don't get to see our teams in the way that we did. Uh, culture is changing. So let's, or maybe culture isn't changing. And that's the conversation mm-hmm. I want to have with you. Number number one, then, where does culture live within a company? I love it. Let's let's rewind a little bit. So help me kind of define this because I think in, culture isn't isn't changing based on how you look at it. So let's start with my definition, right? Again, I was, I was just speaking with you about this, that culture is a construct. Like we'll be debating and talking about, I was debating, talking about what it means. We'll never get there. It's not like we're working our way to the final solution, right? This is a, it's a construct. It's complicated. There's layers. It changes. But let me just share what my definition is, and I think we can go from that. There's two that I, I hinge on. One is my meta, meta, like definition of culture in general is how we do things around here. 
That could mm -hmm. be your family, that could be with your friend group, that could be at work, that could be at some social environment, that could be at a conference, like how we do things around here. And as humans, what's really interesting when you stop and think about it, you can move in and out of these different groups and very quickly you understand norms, you know how to act, mm -hmm. behave with, mm -hmm. your, with your buddies, you could do one thing and shift another. So I think it's very fascinating, but that's this meta, like that, that holds across everything. I like to drill in a little more because we're working so much, we're talking so much about workplaces and that's what you and I are talking about. And I think it's a little more unique because no matter what happens, if we're being successful or not, my family's staying together. We might get a smaller house, we get a bigger house, but I'm not, nobody's getting fired. We're not going to cease to exist if we don't operate. So I think we need to talk about organizational culture and what we're talking about. These are groups, we are groups of people coming together to achieve something. So I love our CEO, Didier Elzinga, his definition and he, what he says is your brand is your promise to your customer and your culture is how you deliver on that. So I think that ties back to how we do things around here. It's like we come together around this brand, this idea to do something to the world, for the world, about the world. But it's, it's our culture that defines how we're going to go about that. There's lots of ways to go about selling electricity, right? There's companies that probably do a really great job. And there's Enron that did it horribly mm -hmm. and, and robbed everybody. So, you know, so I think that's, I, so I say that. And the reason I say that is because when you ask the question, is culture changing? At the de definitive level, it's not. The way we do things around here. Like, mm. However, around here is changing. So the way we do things around here is changing. So at that level, culture is shifting. Um, so let's talk about the remote piece. One is already I'm finding myself, I'll share early in my career, I'm going to date myself a little bit, but I started in higher education. Mm -hmm. And at the time, there was still, you either went online, and where I was working, we were working with online, or there was in-person school. And it was like, right. back then, you were, there was almost like a, you know, whatever, you know, online student or like, or an in-person student. And clearly over the years, that just morphed. I mean, yeah, you could be fully online, but how many students are some sort of blend, some sort of mix? So I think remote work at home, the way we used to think about it, like you're either in the office because there is an office fully operational or you choose to take a stand and not be in the office. I believe and would like to think that this is gonna lead to a more of an amalgam. I think mm -hmm. I'll still be in the Bay Area. I sense my company will still have an office here, but I'm not going in every day, sure. but I want to go in. And I think how we think about what we go into will shift, right? Do we need all that space and all those desks? Do we need to go in the office just to do our work? Or should that be a place where maybe it's a place where we can come together, we can congregate when we do need to meet in person, if we do need some social time, we want to be with each other. But why do, do I need to be there? Or should I be there more mm -hmm. intentionally about when and why? I do think some people will realize they don't need to be connected to a home office and may move for economic reasons and that will push this, then those will be more remote. So I have a lot of ideas around this. I just think, yeah, you'll say it was remote, but I think there's gonna be a whole different flavor and version after this is all over. We're learning what we can do with this technology. We still want our coworkers. We still want our connection. We're human, you know, in the end of the day. And I think there's a deep desire and primitive need for us to, to kind of rally together and support one another. I just think we're going to find new and different ways. And when you talked about the colors or the, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but then again, you know, like there's other ways to transmit that. And when we're on calls with each other, how we're showing up, how we're behaving, are we living our values? Are we still attached to those just because we don't see them or because we don't have that wall? You know, I'd like to believe yes. I think that mm. I think that you're, you're going to see that through this companies that are really going to shine and show that even through this, they stood by their values. They still, because our values define who we are, and in good, they should if, if they're good and we really live by them. We're going to see them in good times. We're going to see them in challenging times. We've had a lot of good times. Now we're in challenging times. So I think when this is over, we're going to say there's certain companies that wow, the way they showed up even in challenging times, they still live by their values. You know, the Airbnb letter last week, you know, yeah. got a lot of attention, but like, I think that's an example of, it didn't matter where it was painted or what it, you know, like, that's how their CEO showed up. And I think mm -hmm. there's something to be said about that, which ties into your, you know, your question, our leaders and, and whatnot. So I'll stop well, there. 
Yeah, I mean, let's let, let's dive back because there there's a lot that I think I want to clarify, understand better. Uh, let's go mm. back to Enron, terrible company, mm. not necessarily yeah. full of terrible people and terrible teams. Um, oh, correct. Wells Wells Fargo, yes, maybe a yes. terrible company recently, not necessarily full of terrible people and terrible teams. Remote teams that had a manager or a leader that micromanaged, that wanted to see your face in the seat, that didn't trust you to work from home or work remotely maybe not a good leader, still a great company. So Mm -hmm. when we look at the people who are in a team of five or a team of 10 or even your team, um, Mm -hmm. how you communicate with your team and how you interact with them and how you treat them and how you ask them how their days are and how you uh, really understand what they're feeling, what they're going through and relating to them uh, is is definitely an indicator of your leadership skills and how you might Mm -hmm. foster a culture of of belonging, of trust, of psychological safety, of developing that sense of community. When the accounting team at Culture Amp or the HR team mm-hmm. at Culture Amp or the marketing team or the biz dev team might have a totally different way of working with their immediate people. So let's go back into this idea of where culture lives a little bit further and, mm-hmm. and help me understand how somebody on the accounting team and somebody on the marketing team while working under the same roof, sharing the same values, vision, and mission for the company, still looking to serve their customers to the best they possibly can, yet living a wildly different experience while working remotely because of how their leader likes to communicate with them and what's most important with them and how they get their work done. How much is the weight of their employee experience or, or even just their culture coming from the organization versus the leader? And, and what can a leader do to improve that experience for his or her or their team? Well, I think it has to do a little bit with organizational structure, but I think in most, almost every organization as it stands today, um, I think there's both happening. This, this goes back to where I spoke about how we can move in and out of multiple kind of how we do things around here, right? Mm-hmm. I think, so I'll use culture as an example. Uh, number one, I think something that I speak a lot about is kind of this idea of simplifying, having a few values, but clear, these clear few values that really dictate kind of how we show up and how we behave. Culture Imp has four values, and we've been a very value-driven organization, right? So I think most people in our organization can tell you what our values are. They are high level, right? So it's you know, amplify others, courage to be vulnerable, trust others to make decisions, and learn faster through feedback, right? It's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. The idea, the ask, and it's not this some, some perfect place, but it's that I don't care what team you're on, that you know those values, and these are these broad values that kind of define us collectively. Mm-hmm. They are broad. They are um, up to interpretation. They're, they're good for a discussion. However, I'm on a marketing team right now. How we sure. do things around here is a lot different than how somebody on the product team does things around here. So I yeah, think we course. have to hold space because we're always flowing through these different ones. I think our four values help us across the entire organization. But what, how I show up and how I work, how I behave is probably a lot different than if I was to be on the product team, right? They have their own set of norms, own set of behaviors. Mm-hmm. I almost think sometimes like almost like in the States, like federal law and state law, right? Sure, yeah. Federal law kind of. So I think if done well, the organization sets up a framework that supports the whole where each one can build uniquely. I'll give you an example. I mean, I'm building this, this culture first chapters and we had to think a lot about how we wanted to do it. And we decided to really simplify it, but we needed a way to do it that would hold consistent across the globe. If you're at one of these events, you'd know it, but not be too constrictive to each individual mm. location to build something unique for them. Well, I mean, this is a great example. We wanted to build something where it could be developed and unique for each chapter because a chapter in Berlin is going to have different needs than a chapter in San Francisco, right? Mm -hmm. So we basically decided three things, getting really clear on who this community was for, 
what it was about. So anybody, anywhere, you know, there's that collective, like why should you be here in this community or not? The second was we came up with a, a set of five core principles, we called them, but basically the values that no matter where you go, that at least those hold, these are values that how we are gonna behave and treat each other around here. And the third was a framework for running events. That was just more of a experience design framework. After that, to build how you want to build. So I think mm -hmm. it's a good example that over time we're going to see different chapters doing and being different ways. Yet if we do a good job, there is a high level culture through these basic fundamentals that will live through it. So, you know, if you go, if we do a good job, like I said, if you go to one in Berlin and you show up in San Francisco, you're like, you know, it's different, but it's still a culture first event. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the goal we're striving for. And I think we'd like to see the same thing in organizations that there's something that holds us all together as we're all trying to achieve something for the world yet. Individually, we have to work and operate uniquely. A marketer or a salesperson is different than an engineer or a product person in their needs or how they want to work, the space they want to work in, how they communicate, collaborate. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's what, you know, again, nobody has the answer, but that's kind of what comes up for me of this, like the, the multiple tiers. And if done well, then uh, organization can create at least the umbrella of a baseline for how we treat and, and react, interact with one another. With CultureAmp and how you're building out your community, how you're building out the company, you talk about your four values and, and how they're broad and open for interpretation. Where's the line between broad and open uh, for interpretation and abstract or uh, vague? We talk a lot about like almost like the shadow and light side. So we know that every one of our values has a shadow side and a light side. And I think if you come from that place and, and, and realize that let go of there having to be one way and turn into a conversation. It's something, it's an aspiration that mm -hmm. we're always striving to be, courage to be vulnerable. Like that can be weaponized. Courage to be vulnerable here. I really think your work is shitty and I don't want to like, you know, like you're, you could be flipping it in some weird way sure. to like lay into somebody. That's not, that, that doesn't hold the spirit of what we mean, but courage to be vulnerable. Are you willing to share if you really don't know or if you're scared or, yeah. you know, you're leaning into something new. So I think what I would say to an organization is, you define these aspirational things that are very, like, again, constructs usually, right? Hard to define. And then continue a conversation about what does it mean? And then start to identify, I've seen some companies that always have, they have um, their values and they have like behaviors listed under each value. So what does it look like alive mm -hmm. for us? I think is really cool because it helps people think about it and see it. Um, also, you talked about Achievers, a company you've worked with that I worked for. You know, we used to talk about what gets recognized gets repeated, you know? So like, right. like using recognition as a way to call out those behaviors that show people living those values and we can't ever stop like the idea that there's a finish line there's no finish line yeah. in culture you know it's 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 we're, we're always striving to be better people hopefully and better humans better organizations and so my hope is it's just always a conversation letting go of some definitive final like we made it, it you'll never get there yeah as a final sort of topic or, or question i want to ask you about today what can what can the leaders do as they realize that they might not be going back to the office uh, to continue to create and foster that great experience with their teams so i think there's we could talk about some of the tactical things but i will say the first thing that comes to mind for me that my work both personally and my work professionally have led me to mm -hmm. is that here I am in organizations, working with large organizations, taking data, trying to have or having conversations to define next steps or actions we can take out there to fix this or do that or make a better culture. And I've really come to this realization that that's important and we've got to like work with organizations to create these policies and, and best practices. But in the end of the day, um, and I'm pointing in, change you. Do your work, your emotional intelligence. How are you showing up? Why are you triggered when you're triggered? Are you listening and understanding what people... It's shocking to me if you were willing to look at all those things you wish were different around diversity or around how we're communicating or around all those things and say to yourself, 
okay, I'm frustrated with X, Y, and Z. How can I be the change? How can I do? Mm. start doing that? You be the change you want to see in the world. Not to rip off Gandhi, but I love that idea. Mm-hmm. What's frustrates you? What don't you like? What's what's getting under your skin? And like, why don't you change? Be that change. Um, or what's that teaching you about yourself? So. If, it's uh, when we change inside, we change outside. And I think so first I'd say to any leaders continue on that path to understand yourself and like, so you can get out of your own way because leadership is really not about you. It's really about supporting and, and, and emboldening and propping up those, those that you're leading. Tactically, I would say, listen, listen, talk, listen, and then on the side, do your work. If you get triggered, but go back and keep listening, hearing, mm-hmm. understanding the experience, um, applied empathy. Michael Ventura, I think is a great, he takes empathy and really turns it into like, not a warm, fluffy thing, but a very real practical thing that he learned while doing brand work with clients. You know, so I would say it's I, really, it's the communication, it's the listening, it's the communication, it's the learning about yourself. These are all new times, but in many ways, lots of things are new. And if we can just stay open and let go of control and what it needs to be, and just kind of like, what's, what's our intention and our objective? And let's listen and work with each other and meet each other where they are. People are going through all kinds of crazy shit right now. You know, that's what I'd say. Also, I know we have to wrap up, but I, I did want to just quickly plug a little bit about community. Please, yeah. Um, culture, yeah, Culture Amp has launched culturefirst.com, which is our really our place for all things community. You know, we mm-hmm. are a company, we do have software, but we also are really steeped in our why and about this work in the world. And that's why we launched culturefirst.com. And it's really full of resources, stories. We are in the process now of a, like of a 12-week kind of campaign working through COVID and, and you know, we're, we're kind of working through it. Uh, every two weeks, we're releasing information. I'm doing interviews. I just did an interview today on leadership that will be out next week. So my, we also have resources. We have a free uh, template there for COVID uh, survey. If you want the questions, please check it out. And also you can sign up there to number one, find a chapter if you want to take action or start a chapter and also sign up to get involved and hear what's going on. So we're just really proud to, to bring this work to the world and we want to continue this conversation. Craig, awesome. I really appreciate it. I'll be sure to add the links to the end of the episode here and, and point people your way, but uh, really appreciate your time today and yeah. uh, look forward to keeping in touch. Yeah. And hopefully we'll do some more. I mean, this was short. I could go, I definitely, Eric, I could go longer with you. I'd love to go, go a little bit more in depth. Um, I know I had to cut it short, but thank you. I really appreciate it. And um, any, anything we can do to support each other, like let's just keep amplifying each other. Sounds great. Thank you. For more podcasts, show notes, and to connect with our speaker today, visit erictermundi.com. That's E-R-I-C-T-E-R-M-U-E-N-D-E.com. And click the podcast tab. Thanks for listening.